Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. If you were to ask me, what is one thing that should define the character of a follower of Jesus? What is one thing that you should be able to see in a person that says and claims that they follow Jesus on a regular basis? I would say this, love that goes out of its way. Again, that's love that goes out of its way. Instead, we see it being people who go to church, people who have a a rigid form of beliefs, people who are narrow-minded. This is typically what we hear from people in our culture. But imagine if you're in a situation in which you hear a person in their 20s that doesn't go to church, maybe they've never even been in church before, but you were to ask them, how would you define Christianity Or how would you define a follower of Jesus if you had to describe or explain what that looked like and they were actually to say love that goes out of its way? This is really what it's about, and this kind of thinking would actually change the world. We're in the final week of a five-week series titled Remain. Unfortunately, because of the electrical issues that we are having in the church right now, we do not have a part four. At least we do not have a, a part four released just yet. But we've been viewing this one story for five weeks, this story found in John 15. It's often referred to as the vine and the branches, and this is where we're going to turn again today. Turn for the last time. John chapter 15 verses 1 through 17. If you have a Bible at home and if you want to turn there, John 15, 1 through 17. And our focus today, whenever we get there, is going to be on more verses today than it has been on the other parts of this series because we're really going to place some emphasis on verses 9 through 17. So John chapter 15, I am the true vine, is where we're going to be, and we're going to go through 17 verses. This is what Jesus says. I am the true vine, and my father is the vineyard keeper, or the farmer, or the gardener. He removes any of my branches that don't produce fruit, and he trims any branch that produces fruit so that it will produce even more fruit. We talked about this in week two with pruning and trimming. You are already trimmed because of the word that I've spoken to you. Remain or abide, minnow in Greek, in me, and I will remain in you. A branch can't produce fruit by itself, but must remain in the vine. Likewise, you can't produce fruit unless you remain in me. This was our focus right here in in week three. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will produce much fruit. And the focus was here. Without me, you can't do anything. 
If you don't remain in me, you will be like a branch that is thrown out and dries up. Those branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain or abide in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you want and it will be done for you. Now that was going to be the focus of week four. My father is glorified when you produce much fruit and in this way prove that you are my disciples. So again, starting in verse nine right here, this is where our focus is going to be. As the father loved me, I too have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I kept my father's commandments and remain in his love. I have said these things to you so that that my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. This is my commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. Man, how badly do we screw this up? No one has greater love to give than one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I don't call you servants any longer because servants don't know what their master is doing. Instead, I call you friends because everything I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you could go and produce fruit and so that that fruit would last. As a result, again, we see whatever you ask in my father's name, he will give you. I give you these commandments so that you can love each other. I recently started this, this wonderful book by one of my favorite writers. It's actually the third book that I've, I've written by the depth psychologist David Benner. This book is called Surrender to Love. A key focal point of this book is that we're often ill-prepared to receive God's love because we don't feel as if we deserve it. We often feel that the first thing God sees whenever he sees us is a sinner, or for someone that maybe didn't grow up in church and doesn't necessarily know that language, see someone who is a failure or someone who constantly makes mistakes on a regular basis. And I can relate to this. Often still, after, after being a believer for as many years as I have, I still feel sometimes as if I have to earn God's love. Not that it's simply there, but a lot of times because of the mistakes that people have made, because of the problems that they've had, because a marriage didn't work out, because of behavior from the past or behavior that they continue in, they don't necessarily see themselves as worthy of God's love. It makes it very difficult to give that love and to live that love out if we don't feel that we are personally worthy of that kind of love. There's definitely a relationship. Now, Benner, who, like I said, he's a depth psychologist and also a Christian, he suggests that our view of God comes from the way that we are parented. Meaning that if you grew up in a condemning or even like a hellfire and brimstone type of environment, you're often going to have this negative view of God and how God perceives you. On the other side of things, if you grew up in a nurturing home that is full of grace and full of mercy, and there's all kinds of love and positivity and those kinds of things, you'll often have a very positive view of God's love. 
And I would add, add to this that if you do grow up in church, that the kind of church that you attend also plays a very strong role in how you cut your teeth as a young person and perceive God as you start to get a little bit older. So Benner, he writes this, God's love is not compromised by anger. And he also says this, we've come to believe in a God that is constantly moving away from us instead of a God that is moving toward us. So whenever you perceive God, and this is not just for people who are, are making all the textbook mistakes and, and, and choosing not to trust God, but a lot of people who feel as if they're trying to do everything right, they often still have this mindset that God exists simply to punish them or that God is always moving away from them. And it's very difficult for us to understand that every single human being alive, the desire of God is to constantly move closer and closer and closer to us. But because of the perception that we have of ourselves or what we've been told we are, and what we've come to believe sometimes over a long history and a long period of time and seeing ourselves in such a negative light, whenever we think about God or whenever we try to go to God, we envision this God that is constantly distancing himself from us. And I can relate to, again, to, to what, that, what that feels like. So I say these things today because they are very important regarding what it means to remain, to be the vine and the branches and to remain. Minnow, again, which we said in week one is uh, the idea of remain or abide is to stay put even through adversity. So whenever we go through difficult moments in our lives, whenever we're struggling, whenever we don't know what's happening next, whenever things seem completely unpredictable in every single kind of way that we can imagine, what Jesus is telling the disciples who are getting ready to face a moment exactly like this. Keep in mind that he's sharing this story in this moment because he is about to depart from them. And he is telling them there is going to be adversity. There are going to be problems. There are going to be things that you don't know exactly how to figure out because I'm not there to teach you in the exact same way that I've been teaching you for the last 18 months to three years. You're not on your own though, because it is your responsibility to understand what it means to remain in me. And this means that whenever you go through the trying times, whenever you go through difficulty, whenever there are obstacles, relationships in your life, persecution, all of the difficulties that we face, that underneath that kind of pressure, the responsibility that you have as a follower is to stay put, is to remain in me, is to stay focused where you are. God's loving presence is the thing that we are remaining in. And this is what changes us when we talk about love that goes out of its way. And this is what should change the world around us. So this is how the world sees this love that goes out of its way. That unfortunately this world doesn't see very often. So remaining or abiding produces something. 
there is something that we see in people that are truly remaining. And what it is producing is love. We don't see this love very often, which tells me that most of us are not very good at remaining. But Jesus is clear about what we're supposed to do. But if we're to be completely honest, and again, I'm talking specifically to people who are in the church, to people who call themselves followers of Jesus, to people who call themselves Christians, instead of remaining, the majority of us are simply existing. Okay, we're going through the motions, and we may know some of the worship songs. We may know churchy language. We may know or have some idea about what it means to try to pe uh, treat people with some level of decency or respect. But the truth is that we are not remaining in the source, but we're simply existing as cultural Christians. And this is what Jesus says. This is my commandment, verse 12, or rule. Love each other just as I have loved you. Jesus says that he is providing the example. And the disciples, as, as eyewitnesses, have had the opportunity following Jesus to see exactly what this example looked like. But I have a perception of how God sees me and it's often not good because of the pressure that I place on myself and because of everything that I feel from the walls of society telling me what I'm supposed to do, how well I'm supposed to do it. Comparison, perfectionism, always trying to give the impression that I have everything under control when often I don't have anything under control and you don't have anything under control. And when we're in this mindset that we have to impress God, whenever we're in this mindset where we have to constantly check off boxes, it should be very clear to us that we have failed to remain. So I think that what we should try to do is focus our lives on four words. And these are four words that maybe you need to write down. Maybe these are four words that need to go on the, on the window, in, your, in the mirror in your bathroom, or, or, or somewhere in your car. Something that you are going to remember on a regular basis, because this is where it's at right now. Verse 9, remain in my love. What is your responsibility? What is your calling? What is something that is supposed to wake you up in the morning? What is something whenever you're struggling with anger, when you're struggling with comparison, when you don't know what you're supposed to do? Jesus is very clear. And he's telling us this in the 21st century, the exact same way that he was saying this 2,000 years ago to the disciples. Your responsibility, your way of getting through this world, your way of getting through the persecution that you are going to face, your way of receiving answers when it seems that there are none, is to remain in my love. How often would our, would our situations and our stories change if we took a deep breath, if we stepped away from the noise, 
If in that numbness or that anxiety, instead of going to our phones, we understood the importance of remaining in his love and the love that he has for us. The King James Version says it this way, continue in my love. The Common English Version says it this way, remain faithful in my love to you. And I love the way that the message says this. Eugene Peterson's translation, the message, it says it this way, make yourselves at home in my love. What do we think about whenever we think about home? Think about a place of of comfort. We think about a place that at the end of the day, when we're tired from work, when we're frustrated, a place that we can receive very real rest. Make yourself at home in my love. Make my love for you, agape, unconditional love the place that you go in every situation that you face. And here's the thing, and I wish more people understood this. You can't fake love. You can't fake love. And I think one of the most repulsive, disgusting things that I see in so many people who refer to themselves as followers of Jesus is fake love. And you guys know, for those of you that are watching today that are maybe outside of the church, you may know more so than those of us that are in the church. But what it looks like when a person within the church pretends to care about you, or as they reach out to help you, you sense that they are judging every move that you make and every move that you've made in the past. It is the epitome of hypocrisy. And one of the greatest turnoffs and one of the greatest struggles that the modern church has is is this this fake love. And I think um, the only thing, hate may not be as bad as fake love. C.S. Lewis said the worst kind of bad people. And listen, there are bad people in this world. There are, there are a lot of bad people who are Christians. But he said the worst kind of bad people are religious bad people. And I mean, I couldn't possibly agree with that more. So how do we avoid hatred? But more importantly, how do we avoid fake love? The secret, and Jesus is very specific, and Jesus is very clear, is learning to remain through adversity, through the dark nights of the soul that we've talked about when we mentioned pruning and trimming, through all of the difficulties that you're going to face as a parent, through your marriage, through your job, through relationships in your church, financially, the obstacles that are just going to come up, the persecution that these disciples are facing in the first century. Jesus is clear. Stay put. Stay where you are. Don't try to do things on your own. Don't try to figure it out by yourself because whenever you do that, as we so often do, you are departing from my love. You are departing from what makes you a different creature. And you're stepping into those places that make you more like everyone else. Something else that we need to recognize is that remaining or abiding elevates 
our position with God. And this is what's going on with the disciples in this moment. They're going from this lower place and they are being elevated to a different place. This is what we see in verses 14 and verses 15. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I don't call you servants any longer because servants don't know what their master is doing. Instead, I call you friends because everything I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus takes these learners. He takes these disciples from servants and he calls them friends. He elevates their status. Servants don't know what their master is doing. It's a dictatorship with a disconnect in communication. Friends, on the other hand, signifies a close relationship of intimacy. We go to friends in moments of crisis. Friends know about you. They're in on the secret. They know what's going on in your life. And Jesus says, and this is just an incredible compliment that he's paying them. Everything I know, everything that's going on within me that you need to know right now about the kingdom that the Father has shared with me in this time together over meals with sinners, as we camp together, with everything that we've done inside and outside, I have made these things known to you. Also, when Jesus uses the word love, he often refers to agape. Whenever we see agape or love throughout, when we see love throughout the New Testament, it's often the word agape, which means unconditional love, the kind of love that a parent has for a child. You mess up, you screw up, you make mistakes, you do all these things that are wrong. It doesn't matter. My love does not change for you. But interestingly here, when he's talking about them as friends, he is not using agape, still using the word love, but he's using philios. Okay, so I want you to think about this word. Think about the city, Philadelphia. What does Philadelphia mean? It is the city of brotherly love. So when Jesus is talking to the disciples in this moment, and he's, he's using love, he is talking about the closest kind of friendship that you can possibly have. And this is what Jesus is still seeking with us whenever we remain. David Benner, again, depth psychologist, goes on to write this. There is nothing more important in life than learning to love and also being loved. And he says this, Jesus elevated love as the goal of spiritual transformation. Now, let me tell you why that is so important. Because everything that we learn in a book is not about spiritual transformation. The amount of times we, we watch a live stream or attend a church is not the goal or the means of spiritual transformation. Simply being around other people who follow Jesus is not the means of spiritual transformation. But whenever we learn to receive love from God as broken sinners, and whenever we learn through the difficulty and the messiness of life to return that love to people that most would deem unlovable, 
This is when we are spiritually transformed. He goes on to say, psychoanalysis consider the capstone of psychological growth to be love. Giving and receiving love is at the heart of being human. Last, remaining, abiding, brings the fullest joy. It's always going to bring the fullest joy to your life. Verse 11, he says this, I've said these things. I've told you about love. I've told you about the importance of remaining in me. I've explained this as I'm leaving for a reason. And this is the reason. So that my joy will be in you and your joy, he goes from my joy to your joy, will be complete. Other translations say will be full. Not simply so that you will simply uh, get a taste of what joy is like. But if you remain in me, and through every difficult moment in your life, you make the decision that I'm going to continue to stay put through adversity, you will experience the fullest possible joy. Simply put, when we have joy, we love well. When we have joy, we love well. And this is because we've truly forgiven people. We've surrendered control. We've learned to be content, as the Apostle Paul says, in all situations. We've embraced how much we are loved. We no longer see ourselves as a victim of a horrible past or as someone that continues to make mistakes and is just waiting for God to strike them with a lightning bolt but we actually view ourselves and see ourselves as loved. All are ingredients for joy, and all are part of what it means to remain. And we can always test to see if we are remaining. If you're agitated, if you're judging other people, if you constantly feel rushed, if you constantly feel out of sorts, if you could argue about anything that a person brings up, if a person from the past, you run into this person in a restaurant and you just immediately remember how much you can't stand them, I can guarantee you that you're not remaining. But if you're in a situation in which you're cons consistently lifting Jesus up and you're in a situation where you stop at work, you take that pause, you walk away from the table after you're cleaning up and, and, and doing the things that you might do in the evening and you take that pause. You stop the show that you're watching or you, you at least stop it between episodes and you consider how much God loves you and how much that love must be poured into others. You will notice an outcome that looks a lot like joy. The thing is we have to constantly redirect ourselves back. I have not yet figured out how to remain in a constant state of remaining. It's like I'm doing good for a while, and then because of distraction, I get pulled back, and I'm just, I'm mad again. And then all of a sudden, I'm doing well, and I'm remaining, and the Spirit is flowing through me, and then I'm pulled back again. And what Jesus is talking about with the goal of life is, as we conclude this series is to remain all the time. 
and that that is in fact possible here. So I want to wrap this series up with a quick look at verse 16. I think this sums up the whole series for me. This is what Jesus says. I chose you and appointed you so that you could go and produce fruit. And this is the key for us, Believer's Church, so that your fruit could last. So that your fruit could last. The ultimate goal for the disciples and the ultimate goal for us today as disciples and followers of Jesus is fruit that will last. In fact, we even pointed out in this series what Jesus said. You want to know how you're proving yourself to be my disciples? Through the fruit that does last. So what is lasting fruit? It's our mission statement. It's helping broken people become devoted followers of Jesus. It's seeing marriages restored. It's seeing addicts get sober and walk in Scripture. It's bringing racial healing and reconciliation because all people are made in the image of God. It's seeing people who disagree come together through the power of forgiveness. It's seeing lay people at Believer's Church accept a call into ministry, not necessarily pastoral ministry, but learning why they're here and what their purpose is. Not simply to exist under a lead pastor or a senior pastor, but to be able to surrender themselves to love and fully utilize and use their gifts in their lives. It's seeing people at Believer's Church making their homes available to strangers and living with an open hand financially. It's seeing more faith communities planted in our region that start at our core location in Johnson City at Believer's Church. This only happens, it only happens when we love. And we only love the way that we are supposed to, and the way that we are called to when we remain. So the last thing that I want to say in this series is that Jesus gives us and gave the disciples a formula. And this is what this formula looks like. Number one, remain. Stay put through adversity. Remain in me, with me, closer than close through everything that you go through. What this will then generate will be the conditions for agape love, for true, unconditional, spirit-filled love. And every single time, what this will do will be producing lasting fruit. So here it is. Remain, love, produce lasting fruit. Remain, we've talked about it now for weeks. Love, produce lasting fruit. And when we learn first, as we've talked about for the last several weeks, the conditions of what it means to remain, we will see the change that's required of us. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you today asking and pleading with you that you change our hearts.
Father, that you help us in a, a great age of distraction to remain in you. No question the disciples had things they struggled with. They had their own set of distractions. They had their own issues. They, they, they had, as, as we've talked about several times, persecution at every turn, that they were actually getting ready to face a lot through the crucifixion. And Father, my prayer for our, for our church and for all of those that are listening is that we'll take the time and spend some time in John 15 and see that Jesus gives us a framework in our greatest moments of fear and in our greatest moments of uncertainty for what it looks like to live the good life. God, I pray that we embrace these teachings and hold them close. And we'll pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we begin a new series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.